Hello, this is Brian from Metal Swami here with Metal Swap Talk. I'm here with Derek Riggs and Nocturnal Overlord, and uh, we're here at the High Dive Bar, or Vince. Uh, we're here at the High Dive Bar having a couple beers and probably some burgers. Um, thanks for doing this, Derek. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, Derek, uh, the High Dive Bar is kind of famous for their burgers. How do you like your burgers? On a plate. On a plate? <laughs> uh, well done. Oh, um, kind of medium. Medium? Yes, not too crispy. <laughs> <laughs> I have soft teeth. <laughs> they bend if I bite hard things. Oh. Yeah, which is really inconvenient. Yeah, you don't want that. They, they, no, they go all wobbly and just kind of bend, you know, and, <laughs> and you can't bite anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See how you like that. Uh, Derek, you've worked on... Uh, a lot with a lot of bands, including Iron Maiden, Stradivarius, Budgie, Gamma Ray. Um, is there anybody that you haven't worked with that you'd like to work with? Well, I would have liked to work with Black Sabbath because I thought, you know, they invented heavy metal, um, and, but they kind of didn't want to do that, so they ended up with a burning bush, which was, you know, stunning. But never mind. <laughs> 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 I, I, I did talk to them briefly, but they didn't talk back very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would have been great though. Yeah, it's about time they had a good album cover, you know. They've had many bad ones. They have had many, but they have had some legendarily bad ones, like Paranoid. Paranoid, <laughs> yeah. The Masters of Reality wasn't super good either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty terrible. Uh, you've kind of told me some interesting stories before about working under tight deadlines. Yeah. They're always entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Do, you have, do you have any stories you'd like to share about that? Well, well just about every painting that I did. Um, you know, they found, uh, Maiden would phone me up on Friday evening, right? So I've got no chance of getting out and buying any materials. And they say, we need it by Monday morning. And I'm like, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> bastards. So it's like I, I would pull a 48-hour week in two days. No sleep. Straight through till Monday. And uh, any mistakes that happened are still on the board. People say, where's all the preparatory sketches? Because they read about that in a comic somewhere, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they're under the fucking paint, love. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I drew the sketch and then I painted on it and that was it, you know. Uh, there, there was a number of the beast that was up on a deadline like that. Two days that took. And uh, I started out with this idea that the devil figure was going to be all twisted and warped and kind of deformed and evil looking and would look like Salvador Dali. Mm -hmm. But then I was... <laughs> He's gone now. <laughs> I was waiting, I was working on the paint part of it and by the time I start at the background and work forwards visually so the figures get done last because you can't paint around a figure yeah. <laughs> it's too painful um, and so by the time I got to the devil uh, I'd forgotten all that and I was just looking at these lines thinking these aren't quite right <laughs> so then I tried to correct them and so the devil just looks like badly painted anatomy. He doesn't really look all warped and twisted and, and whatnot that he was supposed to be. Um, uh, and and the, the, the wings made out of lightning and smoke are only just visible, you know. 
Um, I, ha I have to invent um, techniques as I go along uh, because the speed I was painting at, there aren't any traditional techniques that will cope with it. They just don't work. It's kind of like um, battle tactics. Mm. You know, when you're down in the trenches and it's all getting dirty on you, you've got to work out what to do with it. So I had all these figures to paint. And they're just silhouettes. People go on about the detail, but they're just little silhouettes. I'd do a line of silhouettes with black under it, and then I airbrushed a bit of kind of mist. And then I did the next layer, and then I added a bit of mist. And by the time I'd finished, the mist had built up so it looked like it was a kind of gradient, you know, mm -hmm. for the smoke and that. So in depth. Yeah, uh, but it was all just fake. I mean, it's all just two-dimensional flat little figures in rows. Mm. <laughs> I'm a shit artist, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> there was another one that I got in trouble with. Um, it was the Twilight Zone, which was a single cover back in the day. Yep. And that was done on 12 inches. My paintings were done mostly on about 12 and a half inches square. I painted about the size they were reproduced back in the day. And that one, again, they phoned up Friday night. And I was like, yeah, all right. And they wanted this painting of this woman. I can't remember whose idea that was, actually. Um, I think it was mine. The idea was it's Twilight Zone. You can see his, his reflection in the mirror, but you can't actually see him. Because where he'd be, you should be able to see him, really. Mm -hmm. So um, I did, I don't know if anybody ever picked up on that. <laughs> um, so I, I, I kind of threw it together, but the only board I had, I didn't have the proper board to paint on. Normally I use illustration board, which is kind of like absorbent. Yeah. The only single sheet of board I had on Friday night, when I had no chance of getting any more, was um, called CS10. And this is for line work and it's actually chalk coated. Ah. So it's not absorbent. It'll take lines beautifully, you know, and hold them perfectly in shape and all of that. But you put paint on it and it rolls around like greaseproof paper. It's just awful. So I had this and I thought maybe I'll get by, you know, maybe I can, if I layer it on thick and use airbrush. So that worked on the, on the wall in the background. And then I worked forward and I did it in flat layers of paint with bits of airbrush to give it depth. Wow. And then I got up to the figure and it completely failed. <laughs> the figure I tried to paint and every time I put paint on, it took the last layer off. And I was like, what the fuck am I gonna do with this? Oh man. It's gotta be done by Monday morning, you know? And it was supposed to be a portrait of a friend of mine. And she was pissed off because it looked nothing like her. It looked all butch, you know? And I was like panicking. It was just like terrible. And I, so in the end, I did flat layers again and just airbrushed on them till it looked like something. <laughs> wow. All the things I thought are correct in the paint, no chance. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, Derek, now you live in uh, Riverside County, is that correct? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Way well, south in Riverside County. Oh, okay. What, what brought you out here? Uh, the sun, the sea, the sand. <laughs> uh, I got tired of being in England in the rain. So I, I kind of moved. 
I made the foolish mistake actually of moving to the north of England for a little while and, and that didn't do me any good at all because I have seasonally affected disorder so everything shuts down in winter, my brain, my body, I hibernate wow. pretty much. So that was crap, really bad idea, you know, should have known better. So anyway, I, um, I came to America uh, to marry Kim mm -hmm. and, and she was living in Pennsylvania. So we did that. And then we went, uh, I was allergic to Pennsylvania because <laughs> I've got hay fever as well. I'm one of them, you know, the mm. geek with hay fever. <laughs> and um, so we, le we left Pennsylvania. We put everything in storage and we just left. <laughs> and so we, we, we went down Florida for a little while to see Kim's relatives because that was Christmas, you know. And, and then we drove across the bottom of America around the Gulf and it was freezing cold. Every time I've been down to Panama City, it's been freezing cold. Wow. We went down one street and the water main had burst and it had been spraying water about 30 feet in the air. And everything downwind had frozen onto the trees. Whoa. So it was like a wonderful fairyland with these encapsulated trees <laughs> for about 100, 100 feet down, down wow. the, the sidewalk. Uh, people say, oh, it's lovely and hot down there. It's not, not been hot when I've been there. <laughs> so we got sick of that and we thought we'd go north, yeah. you know, because we'd get off the coast. So we went north and we ended up in Roswell. So we, we were trying to... <laughs> we were trying to uh, look for a place to live, you know, because we didn't have a home at that point. We were just driving around, you know. Uh, and... Um, so we looked at Roswell, and if you go out the, if you look at the main street of Roswell, it's quite entertaining. Mm -hmm. You go off out the back, and it's desolate. There's houses there that look like they haven't been inhabited since the 40s. Wow. I think I think that half of Roswell's already been abducted. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, well, let's not live here, <laughs> and we drove over the mountains to a place called Alamogordo. Uh, which is right by Holloman Air Force Base. And I kept thinking, well, where's this name coming from? It's from all the flying saucer books I used to read when I was 12, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> back in the 60s. And I used to tell people about this stuff and they didn't know what the hell I was talking about. It was like Mad Pucker Riggs, you know. <laughs> He's talking about that again, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, I wonder sometimes they sit up and go, oh, that's what he was on about. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Holloman Air Force Base was right next to there. And apparently that's the place that inspired the movie, the Spielberg one. Oh, Close, uh, Close Encounters. Encounters. Yeah. Well, the president and them landing with the little aliens on the, on the tarmac um, was actually supposed to have happened there wow and they found the locals found out about it because it freaked one of the soldiers out this young guy and he was he was in the bars drinking it up at trying to cope you know with what he'd seen and um and he was telling everybody and that's how the story got out so that is you know i've landed right where the aliens landed so we lived there <laughs> for a couple of years uh, saw a couple of UFOs, <laughs> and then we went further north. Uh, where did we go? We 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 thought we'll move, you know, because it's sort of a bit dry and dusty. So we went up north in in 
um, New Mexico, see what was up there. I didn't really like it much. Um, and then we, we got to know some people in California and discovered we knew more people in California than we knew in New Mexico. So I thought, oh, and, and the prices were roughly equivalent oh, okay. um, at that time. Um, so we thought, well, we can do that. So we did it and uh, we landed where we, where we are now. And um, we've been there for about 10 years, uh, thinking about moving again soon. Don't know where to, but you know. And, and then all the people we knew kind of disappeared and freaked out and went off and you know, became odd. Yeah. People, people in my life become odd. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, they, they kind of, hi, and then they, they, something weird. goes you, wrong in their brain. Because you're totally no, normal. You I know, know. Yeah. I know, I'm normal. <laughs> Who said I wasn't normal? Somebody's been saying I'm not normal. <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> yeah. Um, did he tell you I was paranoid? Why, <laughs> why, why did he say that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Derek. Um, we've had, we've been very fortunate to have you at a couple of our metal swap meets. Um, how have those experiences gone for you? They've been good. You know, like everything, we were a bit leery mm -hmm. when we first took it on, and then it worked out great. You know, the one out in the out in the wind in that car parking place was, was wasn't too good because <laughs> wind wind's not good when you're trying to sign prints. Yeah, you know? stuff blowing around. But uh, apart from that, you know, they've been cool. You know. Okay, well I appreciate you doing this. That. Actually, is a gig where people just get together and sell heavy metal stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you want your heavy metal stuff, this is where you need to come, San Diego. <laughs> and don't expect sand because I haven't seen any sand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the hell Diego is either. <laughs> <laughs> um, last time I talked to you, um, I mentioned the show The Prisoner. Yeah, I used to watch that yeah. back in England in the 60s. Are you, that was do you have fun. a favorite episode or anything about with that, sh no, that show? No, that, that's another case of Riggsism. You know, I yeah. get into this really weird far out thing and you know, we're trying to tell people about it and they just kind of go, He's fucking mad, that Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> it became a kind of English cult thing because there's never been anything like it. Yeah. You know. And Patrick, is it Patrick McGowan who stars in it? Apparently yep. used to write it and direct it as well. Yeah. And it gave him a nervous breakdown, you know. For those who don't know, who've, you know, never seen it, it's based in this village and they're interrogating this spy and it's full of all these other spies that they're interrogating that kind of got brainwashed and never got out again. But the village is a real place. It's, I think it's called Port Marion and it's in Wales and you can actually go and have a holiday there. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. Um, I was talking to your wife, Kim. She was telling me you have uh, like a pretty busy schedule for the remainder of the year. Yeah, we, we've turned out, we just kept yeah, you know, let's do this gig. Let's. People kept asking us, and we kept saying yes. And then somebody from Brazil uh, asked us to go over, and so we're going to Brazil. It's a Derek World Tour, small but perfectly formed. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we got about eight gigs or nine gigs within a few months. So that that's unusual in my life. <laughs> yeah. Have you uh, been to South America before? No. 
No, I'm, I'm a bit worried. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you're looking forward to seeing down there or experiencing food or culture or anything? I don't know. I don't look forward to things. I just kind of go, you know, yeah. see what happens. Yeah. People, when I move to America, people kind of, have you got culture shock? Why would I have culture shock? <laughs> All we do is watch American television shows. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest culture shock was the keyhole in the door is in the middle of the knob in America. In England, it's underneath. Right? <laughs> and that's the biggest culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Derek. I'm going to pass it on to my buddy Vince. Got okay. a few questions for you. All right, Derek, how's it going? Um, so you're a fan of uh, The Prisoner. How about uh, sci-fi and horror? I'm sure you got a lot going on in, in your mind. I was mind never and... too keen on horror, to yeah. be honest. I know it's mad because that's what I turned out to be good at doing. Yeah. But I would, maybe that's why I was never keen on it, because I always thought I could do better, something like that. You know, yeah, if you're going to paint something, you've got to feel like you can do better than what you're looking at. Yeah, it's going to be something Otherwise, you're there's no in. point, is there? If you're looking at something, oh, I could never do that. Well, what are you trying for then? <laughs> um, so, I, um, science fiction, I, I, I used to, well, I like science fiction, you know. Um, I like Star Trek and yeah. um, Babylon 5 and Stargate. I'm binge watching Stargate at the moment. That's good. And all of those series is. Um, and all of that stuff. I was never really into horror because it's usually just like a house with a clown in it. Yeah. They are. A house with a clown in his own helicopter, you know, and, and you know, people die a lot. Yeah. And for some reason they cry a lot as well. Instead of just like leaving, yeah. hello, <laughs> you know, turn that light on, don't open the cupboard door, <laughs> leave the house, <laughs> run away. <laughs> don't try and solve the mystery, yeah. you know. Run as fast as your little leggies will take you. <laughs> Uh, how about uh, old like uh, books like the Orson Welles and stuff of the old uh, artwork and stuff like that? Were you interested in that kind of stuff growing um, up? I used to for a little while. I was into surrealists. I was never that into Dali because I'm not really that keen on that super realism look. Mm. That you know, it's a photograph yeah. or is it? Kind. Of, I don't care. You know, <laughs> I like Max Ernst and people that used to paint. Yeah, they slap paint on there. And use then, your imagination and come yeah, up with something. Yeah, you know, I found his work was always, well, I liked it better, you know. Um, and I like comic artists like Jack Kirby, who used to draw and write all of that stuff. All Stan Lee ever did was correct the syntax or something, yeah. claim he was a writer, you know. It's, if you see the original comic drawings, it's got the, the text in it. Yeah. Jack Kirby wrote that stuff. Because <laughs> you know? his, his artwork uh, that was um, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you look at that stuff, and he's drawn that in a couple of hours. You know? Somebody said to me that they saw him draw a picture of something at a con, a comic con, and he started in one corner of the piece of paper and just drew across the and like and it kind of just appeared as he drew across which is a really weird way to do it from my mind. <laughs> it was all in his head and he was just coloring it in really you know <laughs> um you know there's a lot of artists whose work i like but haven't really influenced me you know yeah i mean 
Salvador Dali, some of it I like, I do, but it hasn't really influenced me because it's just, it's like Frank Fazetta, you know, he did some marvelous work um, and his comic drawing is unbelievable, you know, but it never really influenced what I do um, because I just didn't want to do that. I, I, I wanted to do weird, weird ideas, things that were odd, not really surrealism, just weird you know, weirdism. <laughs> um, so I just kind of kept working and kept kicking out these odd ideas and, and, and then I was trying to paint record covers at EMI because record covers were, well, rock anyway. Prog rock, they pretty much had down. And I thought I, thought I might be able to sell some album covers, you know, to prog rock people. And, you know, like the Yes covers and mm. Green Slade and all of those people. And then that became the most unpopular form of entertainment in the world, <laughs> almost overnight, and, and punk appeared. And they didn't know what the hell they were doing, um, which is kind of the point of it, really. <laughs> um, and I was trying to work out how to paint rock covers and working on ideas of symbolism. Can you make paintings that can be read like a series of events or a story or something? Can you, can you make it mean something more than just a picture? Will it mean something to people? And if you do that, if you stick all those ideas in, will they get it? Well, the answer to both, as it turns out, is yes. <laughs> people get it. <laughs> it's easy to sit on your own in your bedroom and you do all your stuff and then you stop and think, is anybody actually going to get this? <laughs> they did, and it worked. You know, Eddie start, I, I did, from that came Eddie, the first album cover. Um, he was one of a series of paintings along similar lines monsters in the city there was another one which is in the book of a death figure which is a robot which is leaning against the wall on a corner just waiting for you to come round and they're, they're, they're both kind of symbols Eddie was like wasted youth that background is where I used to live mm. if you go to my website DerekRiggs.com um, there's an there's a Eddie memorabilia page, not memorabilia, that's the wrong, curiosities, you know, Eddieosity <laughs> page. And um, um, it's got some photographs I got from places of those streets. Yeah. And uh, you can see it actually looks like it. The uh, killers, the background on killers was the block of flats they used to live in. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you can find a copy of Iron Maiden's first Christmas card, which is uh, uh, Santa Claus, Eddie killing Santa Claus. Uh, that's the inside of my apartment in that block of flats. And that was my cat, and that's my couch, and that's the light that used to hang, you know, uh, from the ceiling, and that's the body we had to hide in the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> and now he keeps his bloody list to himself. Yeah. <laughs> The robot death picture was, it was a, there was a lot of factories being closed down because mechanization was putting people out of work. Yeah. And it's to do with that. 
as, as well as just, um, you know, being a cool-looking robot hanging around on the street corner. <laughs> it, it was supposed to actually mean something. It was a response to what was going on. Because yeah. when I first moved into London, it was shut down sometime in the, in the mid-70s, about 75, 76, I think I moved to London. And it was shut down. There were streets and streets where nobody lived. You know, there, there were no jobs. I had to invent my own job. You know, you sign on the dole and they didn't bother to offer you jobs because they knew there weren't anybody. Everybody knew there weren't any. America was worried when they had two million unemployed, right? England had four million in a little tiny country smaller than California. And it was a mess. There was a place called Docklands, which was on the Thames, where the docks used to be and they'd all shut down. And that was left for about 10 years. The docks shut down in the early 60s and by the mid to late 70s, they were still uninhabited. So it was a wasteland. Nobody lived there. There were no factories. There was just a lot of broken down buildings that had been desolate. Some people had just started farms up so you could find little farms with goats and chickens and, and stuff. And the eagles had actually started roosting in the high buildings around and hunting rats and mice and what have you. And this is central London. It, you can actually see it in a movie. If you look at Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, those pictures of Vietnam are docklands in London. Oh, wow. He said that was the only area with that much urban devastation that close to a major city centre. And they only had about five, five palm trees. They used to have them in boxes. And they, if you see all the palm trees, they're all behind piles of rubble. It's because he used to move them around from shot to shot. <laughs> that was London when I moved there. No. So I painted it. <laughs> and it's better now. <laughs> so a lot of the stuff that you paint is this, uh, ideas in your own mind, and your own visions, and your own thoughts and stuff from your past. And Sometimes I get weird ideas. Sometimes it's a response to some environment I find myself in. Um, the situation or something like that? Yeah. Uh, a lot of those early Maiden covers were really nothing to do with Maiden. Yeah. You know, um, there was stuff I was doing, <laughs> I was going through. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, they were only superficially kind of attached to what Maiden was doing. Some of them I painted and Maiden made up a, a title yeah. afterwards, you know. Um, not, quite often they'd have a, a title of a song and they'd tell me what it was about. And then I'd go off and do a painting. And more often than not, it didn't have an awful lot to do with the title or the song. <laughs> You know, because um, nobody, nobody had done what we did to the level that we were doing that. And we were winging it. We, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. This is all, we plumbed it all. We knew what we were doing. No, no fucking no, didn't. You guys were having fun and enjoying we, yeah. what you were doing and Yeah, all this stuff creative. about, oh, well, we invented, you know, um, using a mascot. No, no, they didn't. Eddie invented himself. Yeah. I did the first picture of Eddie, which was the album cover. And then... And then it was like, what the hell are we going to do for a single? Because we didn't want to give the character away and all that. So I said, well, I could do a picture of him in silhouette, you know, use the same character again. 
And they went, will that work? And I said, I think so. It kind of lead into it. And then we did that and we had to do another single. So it's like, what the hell are we going to do now? So we used the same character again. And, uh, and then they did these big world tours. And in America, Eddie sold more posters than the president did <laughs> in an election year. So they thought, well, we'd better keep Eddie. So Eddie really invented himself, or maybe the fans invented him, because they weren't going to let him go. And Megan couldn't afford to, because they weren't selling huge amounts of records back then, but they were selling huge amounts of merchandise yeah. and filling up their tour. So they couldn't afford to let that go. So Eddie kind of invented himself. He, he came out the mists of horror and heavy metal and manifested himself in your lives. And now you're stuck with him. <laughs> so as a, would you think of Eddie as a, another character? Is it a reflection of yourself a little bit or everybody else? No, he was just that monster. Yeah. You know? He's just pissed off at everything. You know? <laughs> Everybody's pissed off at everything. You know, <laughs> life is always shit. I mean, it could be a party, but you know, well, yeah, we sit here, we drink. We, we could all be having a party, but we're not. Half of us are sort of going through some awful bullshit. You know, <laughs> why's that? <laughs> all right. Um, so you uh, you said you like uh, rock music and some heavy metal, Black Sabbath. Uh, do yeah. you pl ever play any musical instruments at all? I play synth. Well, I don't play it really. I I fly synthesizer from a computer. Okay. You know, I've I, I've nearly always been piddling around with computers. I had piano lessons, and everybody I ever met who played piano always played the same seven jazz chords. <laughs> in the same way and I thought I don't want to do that so I'm not going to learn any more piano because they teach you to do that <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's not really relevant to anything I'm interested in um, so I, I kind of I'm kind of in the middle of trying to make some music with the ideas that I had yeah. which are pretty out there and I could never do it before because it it relies on a lot of software all working together and to be honest, until quite recently, we couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, that's, the processors couldn't make it run. The, the rhythms I had couldn't be made any other way unless you wanted to really patch them together. And it all cost too much. Yeah. So the last few years, I've been picking up some more software for pennies on the dollar because I found a way to do that. Um, you put yourself on the mailing lists <laughs> and wait till Cyber Monday. <laughs> and you can build a recording studio for very little. Yeah, there's some good stuff out there. <laughs> and uh, so I've been doing that. And luckily I started doing that. There was an economic slump. And so everybody panicked and cut the price of their software down to get more sales. So I, I did quite well. <laughs> also, I built a modular synthesizer, which is like a huge... Analog? Yeah. Uh, uh, Arsene great big machine that has flashing lights and makes bleeping noises <laughs> and shit like that and they're fun to play with yeah. um, go look at what Keith Emerson was doing in the 70s you know except he wasn't there was a guy out the back with a mini moog that was making all those sounds the thing he built and pulled on stage well he couldn't reprogram it he couldn't climb up the ladder during the show <laughs> you know? it was just a shell <laughs> um so I've been piddling around with that for a while, you know. And so I got a guitar because I was going to make a heavy metal album, see. And, and I thought, well, you know, I better, 
I better play guitar. So I picked up this cheap-ass little guitar from somewhere. So I was, because I used to play guitar years ago, a bit, not very well, very badly, in fact. <laughs> but who cares? <laughs> I was just going to bash out some chords, you know. But I haven't got round to that yet. But then somebody gave me a bass guitar, and it's a great big expensive bass guitar. So now I'm kind of, well, I've, you know, I've got all the bits. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Don't know what the hell I'm doing. The reason, actually, I thought of making a metal album wasn't because I thought I'd be great metal musician or anything like that. I, I just did this cover that I thought was a great metal cover, and nobody wanted the bloody thing. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll keep it. If you don't know a good cover when you see one, it's your fucking problem. <laughs> so I'm going to finish it off the way I want to finish it and then work out what to do with it, you know. So I've got to have an album to go with it, you know, because I used to do these heavy metal albums and got somebody called Iron Maiden to do the music for them, and that worked. So, But this time I've got to make my own music, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be very uh, interesting to see uh, what your idea is and what you'd come up with and what would go with your uh, visions and your artwork. It'd probably sound like ABBA, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, obviously you've done a lot of artwork for different bands uh, and heavy metal. You like heavy metal and then some of the bands? And I used to like metal, uh, but that was in the 70s. Uh, you know, I, I, I like Sabbath and... and um, um, the Groundhogs were good, yeah. and Uriah Heep, and a few of those guys. I never really liked Zeppelin or Deep Purple. I never really got into that, because I think their sound is too English, very kind of tight sounding. And I never, it, it was like that where I lived, and I didn't want any of that, you know. <laughs> I wanted something else. Um, and then after that, I got into, you know, it was the 80s and there were, I just looked at, I've always been like, I look at everything, yeah. you know, because you can't, you can't create in a genre if you just stay in that genre. You just end up doing what the last guy did, only a bit worse. You can't do that. I used to look at everything. I'd look at new romantics and pop music and, and reggae and you know surrealism comic book art i'd dig around for anything that i thought was interesting i had books and books and books on wildlife photography because if you want to design a monster that's the place to go going and looking at some horror film isn't the place to go because you're just going to repeat what that guy did and if all you want to do is draw aliens with bigger teeth and okay do that <laughs> you know but if you want to do something original and something that looks interesting then you need to be studying wildlife and photographs of insects. Because if it can evolve, it's probably evolved on the Earth already at some point. You know, we, we've had like five billion years to get it right. So look around you. Um, and it's the same with music, you know. And I, So I was into reggae for a while, and then I was into dub, and then I got into jazz, and then I was, you know... I got into classical music and, and, and I move around. I still like a bit of jazz. Uh, and I've just brought a, a, a load of metal. I recently brought, re repurchased Black Sabbath's albums. The original. Actually, I never brought them. It wasn't a repurchase because wherever I went, people were playing it. This is back in the 70s. So I never had to buy it, you know. If I wanted to listen to it, I just went to my friend's house. 
I need to have something Sabbath on, you know. <laughs> Dave was always playing Sabbath. I, I, I was playing The Who and, and Uriah Heep. And I never got into The Stones either. Although I liked some of it. It never really did it for me. Oh well. <laughs> All right, it's, uh, so you're going to be at a Comic-Con next weekend. Uh, what do you have planned for there? Well, I'm at the Comic-Con, the San Diego Comic-Con. It's the one that people come from Alpha Centauri to visit <laughs> <laughs> in cartoon spaceships. <laughs> yeah, it's a big event. Um, we are actually at a friend's booth. It's not our table because it's almost impossible at this point to get a table in Comic-Con off your own bat. Um, you have to be invited, which they don't do. Or you have to know somebody or kill somebody. Somebody <laughs> has to die for you to get a ticket, believe it or not. So we, we got invited to somebody else's booth. And I will be selling prints. Um, there's two original drawings that I did just for this event. And one that I repurposed from the past. And they are made up as comic book pages. With all the... When you draw comic books, they have specially formatted paper for you to work on, so you get it the right size. <laughs> and um, I got some sheets of Canson paper. And I looked at this and thought, wouldn't it be cool to leave all that stuff in? But it doesn't reproduce. It's done in light blue, which doesn't reproduce if you, if you copy it. Um, or not well, anyway. So I, I phoned up Canson and, and said to them, look, you know, can I have a file with just this stuff on it? because I want my fans to know it's Canson paper, which is the best paper, really. Um, and they were like, I thought they might be all copyrighty about it, you know, but they weren't, they were great. They said, no, here it is, here's the file. It's like, you know, 600 DPI or something like that. It's way good enough to print from. So, um, yeah, I stuck that on there. And, and now it looks like a real comic page. It's drawn up to spec with all the right markings in it. So it looks pretty cool. And it's got, it's got the, the banner thing in the corner uh, with a San Diego Comic-Con logo, which is a bit of a trick to get a hold of. And it's their 50th anniversary San Diego Comic-Con. So, you know, it's, it's a one-time deal, really. And they, we had some printed. A friend of ours, Brian, got them printed up for us. And he's sitting right here. Uh, and, and they looked awesome. I mean, they, we, we had them printed up as backdrops. They're about six foot by about three foot. And they're, they're killer. I mean, they really look awesome. My wife was about to cry. <laughs> um, and the prints look pretty good too. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so that, those are going, they'll be go, they're a bit expensive because um, basically we're cashing in. <laughs> um, so they'll, they'll be $75 each signed and numbered and there will only ever be 100 prints of any of these we're doing three separate prints and they're marked up one two and three on the as you would mark up a comic and they're all numbered from one to a hundred so you're not going to see them again i might use the actual drawings somewhere but this particular format is never going to happen again so if you want one of those, San Diego's the place to be. Or Sunday night after Comic-Con, 
we're doing a post Comic Con party at High Dive, which is where I'm sitting right now, try, trying to lig a free burger from them. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'll see you there. Be there or be somewhere else. Five o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Five o'clock. From five o'clock at the High Dive. Yeah. Uh, I think it, you'll have to check either the Comic Con or my Facebook page for the actual Comic-Con times. I think they, it varies from day to day. Um, uh, so my Facebook page is Derek Riggs Stuff. So you, you, you have to go there and, we'll and search on, through. We'll post it on our social media as well. Okay, yeah. that's good then, yeah. Uh, so Derek, uh, do you have prints that people could buy that maybe aren't gonna be at the, here at the High Dive or at Comic-Con? I have tons of prints on my website, DerekRiggs.com. Um, some of those are going to be retired quite soon. I will put a, a release out on my Facebook page to let you know which ones. Particularly the Trooper design, which didn't ever really reproduce properly. And I didn't really ever like it that much either. Um, when we started this, it was never, we never thought it would be going on as long as it has been, you know. We thought, oh yeah, we'll sell a few of these and that'll be that, you know. But people liked them. Uh, anyway, so I'm gonna design a new one, which hopefully will print better and uh, will look better when I finished it. And it'll be a bit more like the actual cover, I think. <laughs> all right, well, um that's about all we have. Uh, do you have any last words for your fans in San Diego? Um, hello, fans in San Diego. How about that? <laughs> Get good. your ass to San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Derek. I uh, appreciate it so much. Thank you. And uh, we'll be seeing you that Sunday. Yes. All right. Yeah, see you Sunday. All right, thank you. All right. Uh, I didn't catch your name. Tori. Tori. Brian. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, here we're with Tori at High Dive here in San Diego. Uh, thanks for speaking with us. Of course. Um, so what are, you, what are some of the things you could tell us about the High Dive bar? The High Dive, it's like a neighborhood, family-friendly bar and grill. So we've got a lot of regulars, people who like to party, but then there's also families that'll come with kids. We've got kids' menus, uh, coloring pages for them and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you have any kind of like things, uh, specialty drinks or specialty foods you have here? Yeah, um, for sure. We're known for our burgers. We've been on the Food Channel a few times for them and the Cooking Network. Um, and a lot of our drinks, we do a lot of tiki drinks, but we're always coming up with new stuff, switching it up. Okay. Um, Saturday or Sunday the 21st, something going on here. Yeah. Tell us about that. We're having a signing by Derek Riggs, the drawer, drawer artist, the artist of Eddie from Iron Maiden. And we're doing a lot of specialty foods and drinks that have not been announced yet. Okay. But we've got them in the works. You brought me like some kind of green thing. Yeah, so that's, yeah. Um, that's a cocktail. It's with secret ingredients. Yeah, yeah. It makes it green and spooky. We'll probably put some dry ice in it, little skeletons and stuff. Okay. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, keep with the metal theme. Yeah. Um, so, so, what are your hours here? 
What kind of weird question? Uh, weekdays we open at 9 and we close at midnight. And then on the weekends we open at 8 and close at 1. Okay. Do you have like a sports crowd that comes in here for yeah, anything? For sure. like, yeah, for well, football in here used to be huge with the Chargers. We were like one of the only Chargers bars in San Diego, go figure. But since they left, it's died off a little bit. But still other sports. You should have seen the World Cup on Sunday, the Women's World Women's, Cup. Yeah. Packed. Every single seat in the yeah. house was filled by 7.30, the second we opened the door. Okay. Yeah, it's not super crazy here right now. And I know the All-Star game is tonight. Yeah, there's yeah. like six or seven people at the yeah. bar watching. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, uh... Everybody get down here on Sunday to the 21st yes. for Derek Riggs and... Specialty drinks, specialty burger. Yep. Yep. Got a lot of cool stuff. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you.